You're listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast, a space for moms who are on the wild ride of motherhood while navigating their grief journey. Here are your hosts. I'm Rashida, a motherless mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yep, that is two under four. And I'm Kara, a motherless mom with a three-year-old, an angel baby, and one on the way. Let's dig in. Hello, listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 11. We have a very special guest with us. Her name is Diana Waldman, and she's going to be talking to us about her grandma and the diagnosis with Alzheimer's. And she has some other loss weaved in there that, you know, we'll kind of touch on and get into, but she's got a really, a really great story. And I think that this will help so many of us. But first, before we do that, Rashid, how was your week, gal? Oh, it has been a pretty uneventful week, which is actually nice. <laughs> hey. um, I have not said here on the podcast yet, but we had been dealing with, I think I, you obviously know Kara, but we have been dealing with this, this like frequent urination situation with Dom and there were so many scary, scary diagnosis on the table. And at first it was like, could be diabetes, could be he has bad kidney function, blah, blah, blah. So I, we did urine test after urine test after urine test, blood test. The blood test came back a little iffy. So then we ended up doing an ultrasound and a, an x-ray to rule out any kidney or bladder issues. We did that two weeks ago. Wow. But those came back perfect. He's got perfect little kidneys and perfect little bladder. Yay. So we still had to see a pediatric urologist. So we went and did that today, actually. And I actually really loved this woman. Like, I wish she was our doctor all the time. She, like, spoke directly to Dom. Like, she came in and was like, hi, Dom. Like, how are you? Like, I just thought it was really cute. So long story short, Dom has been officially diagnosed with having an overactive bladder, which is, like, the least scary of all the things. So I... I am taking that and chalking it up as a win. So yeah, he just has to take some medication for a little bit that will help ease all of that. And then hopefully we can return to a more normal potty schedule. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness that it all worked out for the best. Oh my gosh. It's so scary. It's like one thing when you have to go through all of like those tests and stuff, but when it's your kid, Mm -hmm. mm -mm, it's Mm -hmm. just not not interested in that at all. No. And he was so brave. Like he was like he, the x-ray machine scared him a little bit, which I don't blame him. Um, He was cool during the ultrasound today (laughs) though. When we had to go back to the hospital, he was like, what what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? I don't, I don't want a shot. Like he was like starting to get, yeah, he was starting to get really anxious. And he was like, buddy, there are no shots, no machines. Like we're just going to talk to a doctor today. Like I promise. And yeah, he did great. He was such a brave little soul. Oh, I have no doubts that he was, that he did great. That's amazing. I'm so yes. happy to hear that. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, hell, <laughs> hell yes. I'm taking yeah. congratulations because I'm like, this is the least of like this we can handle. So yes. Yes. Oh, All good. Yeah. Praise how the was, how was your week? My week has been, it was pretty, well, I was gonna say it's uneventful, but Brian, it is hunting season ladies. Mm. And my husband is a big outdoorsman. And so, you know, this time of year he goes off to, but he has uh, two brothers, two older brothers, and they both have property in about mid Missouri. And so they all do their thing. Not my <laughs> thing. I don't understand it. I don't try to understand it. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not my thing. And so anyway, Brian has been, he just goes for like long weekends and, mm-hmm. you know, sits in a tree. And uh, what, what season is this in right now? What is he hunting? Uh, deer, specifically mm. whitetail. And apparently... Mm. Like we live in like whitetail Mecca. So um... I'm not shocked by this. Also quick story. And then I know we need to get, we need to get to our interview. There were like six or seven deer in our backyard and like in our neighbor's backyard, like a couple days ago. And I, we spent, because this weekend was actually really nice. So we spent a lot of time outside this weekend and I asked Ben to clean up all of the dog poop in our yard so that the kids could go play in the yard and we wouldn't have an issue. Yeah. Anyways. Sunday, Kona comes on up and she's like rolled in something. And I was no. like, how I was like, how can this be dog poop? We you said you picked it up, Ben. 
<laughs> and, and he's like, I don't think that's dog poop. I was like, it smells like poop, Ben. Yeah. What is it? It's not Dom or peas. <laughs> yes. Turns out it was fresh, fresh deer poop that oh. Kona just had oh. to roll her dog, dog buddy in. And she came back up to us like, I didn't just roll in shit. <laughs> like what? I smell good. What's up? That yeah, what's good. Up? What's up? What are we eating for dinner, fam? Yeah. Who wants to give me a tummy, tummy scratch? Yes. yes. Scratch my tum tum. So, yes, no. I agree with Brian. We do live in the, the, the white tail, I guess. White tail Mecca. I don't know. I, they're just there. Yes. Yeah. There's hell. Yeah. There's hella deer everywhere and hella deer. Uh, hella deer everywhere. And so, yeah, that's what he's doing. Anyway, so Ellie and I are at home she's snuggling we're having sleepover she's sleeping in mom and dad's bed and oh fun yeah and so we just do whatever we want to do and girls um, weekend yes yes on repeat and and then i had a baby shower on just a small little like sprinkle on on sunday with my husband's side of the family and so it was nice just to get together go out to lunch and baby is absolutely spoiled. And subsequently also Ellie is spoiled too. Cause you know, they, Ellie got stuff too. So it was very yep. sweet, very kind. So other than yep. that, that's it. Thank God. <laughs> I know it's going to be a busy holiday season, especially for you. Cause you're going to be like at the end, like you're, you're rolling right from holiday season into newborn phase. So you're probably, you're probably busy, pretty busy from here on out then. Yes. I'm going to keep the party going into January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, all right. Well, I think we can jump right into it and we'll get Diana on here and we'll start chit-chatting with that little chickadee. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay, listeners, like Kara mentioned earlier, we are so excited to have Miss Diana Waldman with us today. She is like a friend of the podcast, I can say, uh, because I've known her for about a year and a half through another group of writer mamas here in St. Louis. And she's also a member, probably like one of the founding members, actually, of our Grieving Mamas Club Facebook group. So yeah, she today is going to talk to us about her experience with all. Alzheimer's. Listeners, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm awful at the word Alzheimer's. It's very great. hard. Oh, yes. It's very difficult for me. My husband still makes fun of me. <laughs> um, so if, if at all during the podcast, you're like, what's wrong with that girl? Like, did she go to college? Why can't she speak? It, <laughs> it's that word for me. <laughs> You know what? At least you're honest. You're upfront and honest. Yeah. And you just lay it out on the table. Then people are less likely to make fun of you or, you know. That's what I'm saying. If you just put it out there, if somebody makes fun of you, then you're like, well, I already said that. So yeah. Try something new. Yeah. Find something Cheryl. original. <laughs> um, so with that, Diana, please go ahead and jump in and tell us about your experience with your grandma's diagnosis. Sure. If we can say memory loss, that can be helpful. Maybe that's better for me. <laughs> and that, also, that also covers uh, a lot because I know a lot of people have loved ones who have dementia and other memory loss issues. And so their experience will probably be pretty similar to mine. Um, but my experience with, with Alzheimer's or memory loss was with my grandma, my dad's mom. And I lost her when I was 19 in November of 2006. And as I sort of shared with Rashida and Kara before we agreed to start recording this is that if you have somebody who has Alzheimer's, you know that you lose them before that last day. Uh, You probably lose them many, many times over again. And so there's this painful process of sort of finding them again, of having one moment of conversation with them where they're present, they're with you, they know who you are, and then the next moment it's gone. And so we went through that for the last, I would say, six to 12 months of her life. Mm -hmm. And she started to show signs of having memory issues for about two or three years prior to that. And Alzheimer's is so particularly cruel because first of all, it's incurable. When you have a loved one diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you know, is this is not, you know, with a lot of people, I lost my mom to cancer. So I know that there's a lot of hope still with cancer patients. When you get that diagnosis, it doesn't always go a good way, but there's a lot of hope with Alzheimer's. There's, there really isn't. And you know, it's just going to get progressively worse and progressively harder uh, to be around that person. And for me, it was to be her granddaughter and for her to be my grandma. 
And you're robbed of so much when you have Alzheimer's. She became a completely different person. It started with some mild paranoia. This is actually pretty funny. After 9-11, I don't know if you remember when people were being mailed anthrax, like mm. important people, like politicians. Yes, I do. <laughs> like your grandmother, who is a very important person to me, but not, you know, in a global scheme, she right. would wear gloves and use a metal paper letter opener to open up mm-hmm. our mail because she thought that somebody was going to be mailing anthrax to a little homemaker in Cincinnati, Ohio, who was you know, 83 years old. And that's when hey. we sort of started to realize something's <laughs> real. But, 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 but I just, let's not put grandma on blast like that. And let's just talk about, <laughs> let's just talk about how we all sanitized our groceries yeah. for weeks. Yes. Now she's, she's up there saying, told you so. Weeks. I know, can you imagine this woman in 2020, she would have lost her mind, but yes. um, so she was just being prepared. <laughs> exactly. She was ahead of the game. Yeah. So we had sort of those little signs of the paranoia was coming out and that was sort of the first signs that something was really wrong. And then the memory loss really came. And then shortly after I left for college uh, and I went to college in Maine, which was pretty far. And mm-hmm. she had like basically a psychotic break, you could say. Mm-hmm. And she had to be taken to a hospital and my grandfather was too physically frail to care for her. And she was too mentally frail to care for him if he fell. So they had to be put into a nursing home situation, which is just sad. Yeah. Nobody Mm -hmm. likes that. And their home was so beautiful, not in that it was anything grand, but just in the way that she kept it. And always she, she was like, she waxed baseboards. Like this lady was next level and her decor changed almost every month. Like she was just a homemaker at, in her soul in a way that I, she loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And so to go from that to the nursing home, she was always meticulously put together. And then she was in, you know, like weird t-shirts from Florida and, you know, that would say like, life's better on the beach and sweatpants that if she had known she was wearing that, she would have died. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, she just was, it was just, it was, she was a different, different person and the paranoia grew and she got scared when we try to hug her because she didn't know who we were and she was frightened mm-hmm. of us. And so those were sort of those last memories that I had with her. The last time I saw her was right before I went back to Maine for my sophomore year of college. I insisted, I lived in St. Louis and they lived in Cincinnati and I insisted that we go visit her. And my mom was so concerned that she didn't really want me to see my grandma like that. You know, she didn't want me to remember her in that way. And I was so adamant that I'm not leaving her alone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't care if she knows who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving her alone. That's my grandma who was one of the only people who like really made me feel really valued, who had this, just this gift of hospitality and caring for me. I'm not just going to like leave her alone in a nursing home, which is easy to do. You know, once your mm-hmm. relative gets to that point where maybe they have a 24 seven caregiver or they're in a nursing home, it's really easy for us who are so busy with our lives to sort of put them in a corner. And I desperately did not want to do that. So we went to see her. It was horrible. We had one moment where I walked in And she greeted me like she knew me. And then she was just gone. You know, she was Mm -hmm. just seeing things that weren't there, didn't know who anyone was. She was fighting back with the staff. And it was just this stranger, this kind of mean, nasty, paranoid stranger. And we went out to dinner at this really nice restaurant. And my dad was saying, you know, it's so sad that they never, the staff there, that they don't know her. Right. This like wild animal, basically, that they're, they're caring for. And they don't know who she really is. And that was mm-hmm. when I kind of realized like this, she's gone, you know, she's totally gone. I'm never going to talk to her again, even yeah. though she's on this earth, she has gone to me. And so I'm grateful that I kind of had that realization um, because we might talk about later. I had a lot of loss in my life later that fall before she ultimately passed away. But yeah, it, it's hard to know that someone you love is physically with you. Mm-hmm. Look at them and you know them and you know all the memories that you have with them and they're that's just, you know, they're not there. So right. also, it's just really a long and painful way to lose someone. Oh my gosh, Diana, that is, that sounds so, so just so, so hard, so heavy. Remind me again, how long was the process from the, from like when you guys started noticing your grandma with the extreme paranoia uh, up until she was diagnosed? So can you walk us through that? Like from when you noticed something was off to diagnosis to, I guess, ultimately when she passed, what does that path look like? Sure. And I'm going to have to like, try to remember because it's been a while I'm getting old. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 
I would say when she got a diagnosis, it must have been my junior spring of high school. And she'd, mm-hmm. been, she'd always been a worrying kind of personality. And so we didn't really notice some of these red flags that then looking back on, we were like, okay, that was a little bit more paranoid than normal grandma worrying about something. You know, we'd notice, oh, she's slowing down a little bit. Like she was in her eighties and, and everybody does that. So it was, I would say, so that would be junior spring. So that would be 2004 to 2006. So it was really about a year and a half of pretty steady decline. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's like fast decline. I feel like I admittedly do not have a ton of experience in this level of grief. And I know Kara, as Diana was talking, I'm sure you could sense you could get some parallels there in the anticipatory grief she was feeling. Totally. <laughs> yes. And and truly, Diana, we'll get into talking about the loss of your mom here as well. Like you had multiple levels of anticipatory grief going mm. on. Like I, you almost need a chart to like figure out where you would have been in any grieving process for any person at any time. So yeah, I don't that that feels fast. That feels like that was a year and a half of like one. She was it your does. grandma. Yeah. Your grandma as you knew her. And then all of a sudden she wasn't. Do you know if that if that is fast or if that's typically how this disease goes? So I know it's just like cancer where there are people who get a diagnosis and they're deceased like six weeks later and there are people mm-hmm. who have cancer for 10 years. It really is like that. There are people who have early onset Alzheimer's and they have that for decades. There are people who get it later in life and have it for five to 10 years. I think that my grandma was a pretty quick decline, especially when it really started out as kind of memory loss. And then it very like I saw her in August of 2005 before I left my freshman year of college. They were in their home. She would forget that she had asked me a question. She would forget that I had graduated from high school, but knew that I was in high school. You know, things like that, where there's clearly you're forgetting something, but you know who I am, you know, roughly what's going on, you know, you know, you know, my interests are. And then it was just a couple months later that she was, that she was hospitalized and that they had to move out of their home. So it was really once that, then we would have incidents where like, she didn't know who her husband was. She thought that her daughter was her sister and that she was a teenager herself. And she would sort of talk and act like a teenager. Does Mm -hmm. that make any sense? So you're kind of, it's like somebody's embodied this, (laughs) this person. So that was, that was very shocking because I expected her to just forget more things and to just slow down and just then sort of forget exactly how old I was in a broader way, or, you know, forget why she walked into a room. I didn't expect Mm -hmm. it to be as quick as when it was like a flip switched and then it was just really, really bad. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it sounds like, do you think that there was like leading up to like the paranoia? Did, did you guys, were you, did you guys live in, both live in, your grandma lived in Cincinnati, right? She lived in Cincinnati and we lived in St. Louis. Okay. So do, I wonder if there was more stuff that maybe she was hiding Cause I feel like I have a, I have a good friend whose grandma passed away from Alzheimer's too. And they noticed that, that they saw that her grandma was hiding, hiding that she was forgetting stuff or hiding uh-huh. that, you know, like leading into that, you know, mm-hmm. that cognition, or cognitive think, decline. I know exactly what you're referring to. And my dad went up there for a four day weekend, every single month, the last few years of his parents' life, because, you know, and my aunt was giving, providing a lot of care. And so he would go up to provide relief and to spend time. And we would go up uh, pretty frequently too. Mm -hmm. And it would be like a wonderful visit for two days. And then the third day she would just fall apart because you could tell she was working so hard to be herself. And then she Mm -hmm. would really kind of throw temper tantrums. Honestly, it's like when you keep your kid up through nap for a holiday and then they Mm -hmm. kind of fall down, it was like, she would think people were plotting against her in, in certain Mm -hmm. ways and something Mm -hmm. as ridiculous as my aunt was throwing a party and my grandma was this kind of hostess extraordinaire and always helped her throw every single party that she ever threw and then got to the point where she couldn't help her anymore and freaked out because she thought that my aunt was plotting something against her to not let her come and like make her sausage balls for this party, Mm -hmm. you know, know, things like that. So I think I know what you mean when you say like hiding things, because I think when you sort of have control of your mind and you know, perhaps, you know, that you're losing it a little bit, that's very, very scary. And so there's a lot of deflecting of like, no, I didn't say that. No, I didn't forget that. You know, that sort of that anger comes out that is trying to say that her loved one is wrong and plotting against her in some way. And she's saying, I'm not declining. I'm not forgetting. That's a whole other kind of conversation because then I'm sitting there as her 18 year old granddaughter being like, grandma's like yelling at me. 
Yeah. Uh, like, this is not what I'm used to from this dynamic. And I don't know what to say. I don't know yeah. how to respond. I'm not a, a mental health professional. I'm not a, a memory loss professional. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of your granddaughter. And so this is sort of a challenging conversation to be in. Well, it's yeah, because so it's like you wanted to be there because you wanted her to know that she was loved in like these these really scary moments of her life. But it's like also at the same time, she doesn't know who you are. So like, what's her concept of love from you? Like, it's all so hard. Can you talk a little bit about in your um when we were reading more about your story, you hit on that, like toward the end, you'd become a little fearful of your grandma because of these, you didn't know who you were getting when you went to go visit her. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I think that it's sort of hard to explain exactly. I think I'm sure that I'm not alone in the, in these thoughts and feelings of an older relative who has changed a lot, whether that's from Alzheimer's or from something else. For sure. Or perhaps they're just so frail, you know, you don't know how to talk to them. As I said, like you're um, the 18 year old granddaughter. And I just want to tell you about my friends at school. Like I always have and bake cookies Mm -hmm. with the things that we've done together. And I am not sure how this two hour period of time that I'm going to spend with you is going to go. Yeah. Know what I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. And when you have an episode again, unless I'm a professional in this area, which most of us are not, I don't know how to react. I don't, am I damaging you further with Mm -hmm. something that I'm saying? And my feelings, quite frankly, are a little hurt because I want to be with my grandma and I want to feel loved by her. Mm -hmm. And I want this. I'm not enjoying, this is not fun for me to be here and have somebody who is not aware of who I am, who is screaming and yelling, you know, it's, it's not a fun period of time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a lot of guilt that comes along with that. Cause you're like, I know my grandma changed my diapers. Like that wasn't fun, but she was there for me. So I need to be there for her during this time. Mm-hmm. But it's making me a little miserable. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be so hard to navigate. I mean, you want to be there because you want, to, you're in a way it's like, I guess it's like the anticipatory grief. That's kind of what the only thing I can like relate it to is like, you know, you, you don't know how to act as your, you can't be yourself because you don't know, mm-hmm. cause you're not yourself. You aren't yourself. And because your grandma isn't herself and mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. not in the space that you used to be able to be to function. You were grieving a woman in a relationship you had, but that woman was right in front of you, but not her, like not her. It's like, like you said a little bit ago, like, like an exorcist, like it, some, something else inhabited your grandma's body and something else being Alzheimer's. And I can't imagine that grief. Like I can't, I can't imagine being able to, cause like you said, it's so also tied up with feeling of guilt. Like <laughs> no one wants to do something they don't want to do, but you also don't want to not spend time with your grandma. And then she passes away before you ever got a chance to spend more time with her, even though the time was very strained. And then you're dealing like the rest of your life with guilt of like not being there when your grandma could have possibly needed you, you know, like, yeah, Karen and I are probably putting words or feelings into your mouth so you can tell us to stop at any point. (laughs) But, (laughs) but that's how I'm imagining it to be that it's just so many feelings. Yeah. And what, what were you? So, I mean, you're 18, 19, much like, so I was 15 when my mom passed away. A couple things. A of all, back then you don't necessarily know how to be mentally healthy about the things that you're going to through one. And er, also like the early 2000s was like not the heyday of like screaming that you, you, you need some mental health. Like, right. Like like therapy. I mean, therapy is still kind of taboo now, but back then it was like, if you said you were going to a therapist, people thought you like something was seriously wrong with you. You're going to shave your head like Britney, you know? Yeah. 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 Also side note, if you've ever watched any of those Britney documentaries, I'm fairly certain girlfriend just had postpartum depression at like on the 19,000th degree because the world was in her face. Like, yeah. And then we just sure. like Britney Spears and then having a baby and then having Kevin Federline be your partner in that yes, this yes. is all bad. Yeah. It's a bad yes. combo. And, like, yeah. She just had, she had postpartum depression. And back then in 20, in 2007, we were not ready for that conversation. And no. so we all just took it and we were like, she crazy. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, what were some, like, you had a lot of loss going on in your life at that time. So what were some things you were doing to cope? That's such a great question because you really have hit the nail on the head. The early 2000s were not the time when you could say something is wrong. Now, Mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful time that we're in now where people are so open, so vulnerable, Mm -hmm. 
so mm-hmm. celebrated. And it's been so healing for me personally, and I'm sure for both of you and, and anyone listening. Back then, it was like you were complimented on being strong. And it was, you were supposed to be smiling and you were supposed to, that toxic positivity of, immediately finding the silver lining. And it was really, really rough. And I look back on my college years and I, those were four of my favorite years. I really had a great time in college, but I didn't have the depth of relationships that I have with friends before and since. And they were really hard days and I couldn't verbalize why, because we really just didn't have conversations around this. We didn't have language for it. And yeah, it was really a tough time. My mom passed away on October 16th. My dad's dad passed away October 25th. And then my grandma, who we're talking about, passed away November 16th. So it was one month. All three of them passed away. And the year prior, <sighs> my dad, my mom's dad had passed away. So in my first three semesters of college, I lost three grandparents and my mom. Oh, and my gosh. That's like, that so crazy. Like, <laughs> that is so crazy. So I, you know, I was just totally numb, honestly. And I was worried coming into this conversation that I would get really emotional because I think most people who know me know that I'm a motherless mom. And in the past few years, I've become more open about talking about that. But I really don't talk about the loss of my grandparents for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I was reeling from the loss of my mom when they died. Mm-hmm. Number two, the just the era that we were in. So they died at 89 and 86 and my grandmother had Alzheimer's. So she was gone in many ways. I just use air quotes because I know nobody can see me. Yeah. (laughs) We we do that stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was was gone. And so I felt like the messaging was they lived a long life. Be happy for that. Yeah. Wake up the next day, smile, take your midterm. You know, that was really what I got. And I got, you know, I was at school in Maine. And so I was kind of pushed back into going to school right away. And and maybe that was the right thing to do. Maybe it wasn't. I'll never know how it would have been if I, you know, if I'd taken the semester off. But yeah, I didn't give my grandparents the grief I feel that they deserved. Because of that, a lot of that toxic positivity messaging of they lived a long life, they're in a better place. And my own sort of like deep grief over feeling robbed of my mom at 49 years old. Mm-hmm, I sort mm-hmm. of like anytime somebody said that they lost somebody who was older than 60, I was like, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's totally unfair to the relationship that I had with my grandparents, no matter how old they are. You know, I was only 19 and, and I was the person who was then left behind and left without them, which is no matter how old that person is, you never think, well, gosh, I'm so glad I never have to talk to them again. Like that 95 year old, like glad they're out of the way. No. You know, you never, ever feel that way. So, so yeah, I honestly didn't really work through their deaths and my grandma's death in particular. And the way that I would have liked to, the way that I feel like I could today. And that mm-hmm. was my immaturity, of course, of just being a teenager and just wanting to to live my life. And a lot of the messaging that I received at the time to sort of like mm-hmm. get up and get on with it. Yeah. In my story, similar to yours as a teenager going through a big loss. I just kind of started doing the next thing. And for me, that was finish high school, get through college, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting when you said um, that maybe some of your relationships in college probably weren't as deep as like they could have been because just the space you were in your life and you couldn't do a lot of talking about it. I remember in my sorority, we had um, mom's weekend every year. Did you guys have that? So we had mom's weekend every year. And I always just went home that weekend, but never really talked about it. Like, and my friends would be like, Hey, we missed you. Like when they would take pictures, like with, and like pretend I was there and like the sentiment was sweet and all of those things. But like, it's funny because probably Rashida now would have probably reacted differently than, I don't know, you know, like I, it's a strange, I've had to do a lot of working in therapy now in post-college that I probably would have been, A of all, probably a better friend in college if I had worked through some of my own shit ahead of time. And yeah, it just would have been a different experience. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel I feel so sad for you guys because we just didn't have the access that we do today to the luxury of, of Googling at any split second that we want and be like, why am I sad? Or I just lost my grandma or whatever it might be. And then having like, Grief, 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 and all of these, you know, different resources just, or just, just there to help you guide you. And it like, mm-hmm. as you both have mentioned that, that just wasn't a conversation that was had back then. So if you don't mind me asking, was your dad during all of this? So from a, I like to talk about like everybody's grief and just from a human yeah. being person, like he had lost 
his wife and both of his parents within a year, uh, within a month. So like that is wild. So how was he probably trying to be strong for you still? But yeah. Yeah. So my dad was absolutely amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And I have some friends who have lost parents and the other parent has not been amazing. So I see the spectrum of what is available. And Mm -hmm. he was the rock of our family in Mm -hmm. so many ways. I admire him so much for how he handled that just sort of with this sounds funny talking about a man, but with grace and poise and just love Mm -hmm. being supportive of his children and being dad and having that be so important to him. And there were several milestones after my mom passed where he said, you know, it's my responsibility to be mom and dad to you guys and to do, you Mm -hmm. know, I will say, and I love my dad. He's, I look up to him so much, especially for this, this sort of season, but he, I think contributed to that conversation that our loved ones who are gone would just be happy with us moving forward with our lives, you know, that yeah, well-intentioned, totally well-intentioned, but ended up sort of, I think, backfiring a little bit with me, especially. And I think our family does not keep those people's memories alive very well. We don't Mm -hmm. get together as a family on their anniversaries, especially with my grandparents. And they meant so much to me, especially Mm -hmm. my grandma. And she was just such an exceptional person. And again, I just feel like we didn't mourn her and we continue to not mourn her in a way that I would like. And a lot of that is because there's just this sort of like, keep calm and carry on mentality Mm -hmm. that I'll be honest, I needed that. I needed somebody to be that person. And that was my dad, even though he Mm -hmm. was even more than I was, he was mm-hmm. that person for me to just be like, this is my anchor. Everything is going to be okay. When you have mm-hmm. people who are foundational in your life, kind of ripped from you in such a short period of time to have a safe space. That was my dad. Mm-hmm. But then it also now has sort of extrapolated into like there, we, we don't feel, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't get together and and to cry and mourn. Like, well, it's, it's kind of like what we talk about on this podcast and the purpose of this podcast is that essentially we as moms tend to put our grief journeys on the back burner while we're momming. Like while we're, I said this to Kara, but her mom passed away and this is different. This is what's different about Kara's story from ours is that her mom passed away and then Kara had to wake up the next morning and still be a mom. Like I cannot fathom that. Like I cannot, I, I cannot, I can't. <laughs> I, apparently can't. <laughs> I apparently can't speak either, but like I cannot fathom having a loss like that and then needing to get up and be a mom again. Like, and my friends lost her husband. Like she lost her husband in a freak situation and her baby was eight months old mm. and she had to Wait, and she, hi, Megan. She's a listener, friend of the podcast. Hi, Meg. She is a doctor. So she was in the middle of a residency and girlfriend, girlfriend had to pick up and keep going. Like she had to, she had an eight month old baby who needed her and she had a residency program that wasn't going to stop. Like they gave her, they gave her all the grace she could. And then a month later she had to hop back into delivering babies and doing all of that. So I, I imagine though, like that's kind of how your dad felt though. Like, even though I'm always like, it's all about the moms, whatever men, however, imagine (laughs) I do imagine this time it's you, different. <laughs> yes, this time, this time we'll give it over to the men. But I imagine that's how he felt. Like he was like, I don't have like I love my children so much that I cannot fall apart for them from for in front of them for them. Like what they need is me to be as strong as possible. And mm-hmm. I also just think that generation. I think Kara and I have hinted on this. We've said something similar to this on the show. A of all that generation was not going to the doctor for any kind of preventative care, which meant they were for sure shit not going to the the therapist for any kind of working through anything. So he was just doing the best what he had. Right. Absolutely. And he did a great job. You know, he really held it together in a way that I certainly Mm -hmm. don't think I would have. And I think that there is a time, even in a grief journey, where you have to, you know, you have to be among the living. You have to continue your life. And then I think there's a time to step back and say, when do I let my mourning, my with a, with a you, not the beginning of the day, but when do I let my grief and my mourning into my everyday in a, mm-hmm. in a way that I am showing my loved ones what it looks like to feel sad and that it's okay to feel sad. You know, how am I exhibiting to my children 
that it is okay to cry. Like I've had conversations with my daughter had one like a month ago, we were talking somehow, she's four and a half, but we were talking about cancer. And I mentioned that my mom had cancer and homegirl just starts crying. She just like burst into tears and she doesn't oh. really know what's going on. But and then I was like, I made my daughter cry. But then I was like, you know what? I'm emotional too. Like I'm sad too, Grace. And we can hug and we can talk about it. And it is okay to be sad when someone we love isn't here it's right to be sad. That's an appropriate reaction because we want mm-hmm. them here. Yes. And, you know, you don't want your grief to melt into despair, but grief is a very healthy emotion to have. And so I want to exhibit that to my children. In many ways, I can't live up to the example of my dad just because he was just, he just was so exceptional in that really challenging season. But there are things that I can look at and say, okay, but I will do this thing Mm -hmm. in a way that I felt was maybe lacking, I can do differently. Absolutely. I completely agree, Diana. That's what Ellie, who is for my daughter, she will ask questions about Nana. And, you know, it started off with me telling her like, oh, Nana, she would say, why did she die? And, you know, just hitting us with the real hard hitting questions. Like they don't know, you know, why did she die? And I'm like, well, it just turned into, it started off with like, well, her body was just very sick. And to a four-year-old or a three-year-old or whatever, like sick means like you have a cough or a sore throat. And I Mm -hmm. started to think like, oh gosh, I don't want her to think, and I'm probably thinking too deeply into this, but I don't want her to think that like, if one of us gets sick, that we're going to die. So then I started Mm -hmm. talking to her about, well, Nana had cancer. Well, what's cancer? And I'm like, well, (laughs) first of all, I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, well, honey. It's when you're, when some bad cells into your body and then they morph into uh, more bad cells. And yeah, she's like, what? It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's just a hard conversation. But moreover, more importantly, it's important to, I I'm on the same page as you, Diana, to let her see, see me cry. We can both cry about it. We can both be sad. She also asked questions like, well, when is she going to be alive again? When is she going to be here? And you know, like it sucks to hear, but you have to just, I I feel like the more frank and more honest conversations and, you know, the more honest you can be with your feelings, I feel like we'll be able to, I hope, my hope is that we're setting them up for success in the long run. And, you know, as Rashida said, like our mission is to, to encourage our listeners and our audience to feel your feels because if you feel your feels, you're going to feel better in the long run, you know, and hopefully we're setting our kids up for that success. Oh, goodness. Would you, do you mind Diana? And I know we're running a little bit on time, but I know, look at us. We're staying on time, Kara. Um, would you mind talking to us a little bit about your mom's diagnosis and that journey? Sure. So my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in October of 2005. And this was so, I mean, I could just go on and on about this, but I won't, but she (laughs) she was like, so I was a freshman in college. As I said, I went to college in Maine and they, my parents told me right away that she had been diagnosed and I tried to ask follow-up questions and I was kind of shut down a little bit and I didn't get the full story until I was home for summer break. So that's June. So if you're in your mind, you're like October to June. Wow when she was doing well, she was doing well. And so she sat me down and she said that she'd been diagnosed with stage four cancer, which I did not know a 2% chance of survival, which I had not known. Oh, Diana. And at that point they had said, you know, going the traditional chemo route, they were like, basically you're too advanced for that to benefit you. This was at Siteman at WashU. So they had some sort of new treatments that they were trying and they were like, might as well, you know, might as well. So Mm -hmm. she never lost her hair, which was such a gift because she looked beautiful, you know, up until the end. And you would never have known if you'd seen her, you would never ever have known that she was sick. But then So she told me that and she'd been responding really well to the treatment. So things were looking good. So, I mean, of course I'm sitting there sobbing, but I'm like, I have this, all this hope. Like, I feel like things are going really well. And then I went back. So I went back to school. I went back to school thinking, you know, and with breast cancer in general, I know a lot of people have had breast cancer and they're completely fine. You know, it's actually Mm -hmm. pretty common cancer. And if you detect it early, there's like a 90% survival rate. And so I'm here sitting here thinking, you know, this is scary, but this is going to be okay. My parents came to visit me for homecoming weekend in October of 2006 and my mom did not fly. She'd like turn this very unhealthy shade of green. So they drove, they drove up to Maine and they were planning to drive back and visit a whole bunch of college friends and do fun things. Mm-hmm. And we had a really fun weekend together at my school. Again, you know, I was far away from home, so I didn't get to see my parents very often. And we just had a blast together, you know, kind of coming out of those angsty teenage years, starting to move into a warmer relationship. And yeah, that's a Monday, good time. 
It's a good time. Yeah, it was starting to get that way because I was a pretty miserable teenager. But then that Monday morning after they left, they went to Vermont where they had their honeymoon. They were kind of doing a little second honeymoon. I got I got all these missed calls from my dad and they had been at my college on Friday and they came very embarrassingly to my Friday classes. So I was like, they know my schedule. They know I'm in class. They're so obsessed with me. They were just here and they're calling me. And then I went to check my student email and I got this email that was kind of confusing from a friend of my mom's and the way that it was worded, it sounded like something happened to my mom's mom and that they were asking for prayers for her. So I called my dad and I was like, oh my gosh, something happened to my grandma, my other grandma. And it had been actually my mom, her, basically she collapsed and she was non-responsive and they had to fly her to Burlington. I flew or I, yeah, I flew from Maine to Vermont, met my brothers and my aunt there. And I still thought like, there's a chance, like we can get out of this. Like she's non-responsive, but we can get out of this. And then they airlifted her to St. Louis. You just saw her. Right. She was totally fine. And we airlifted her to St. Louis. A few days later, she was finally able to meet with her doctors because it had been the weekend. And they said, you know, she was able to squeeze your hand to sort of acknowledge that you were speaking to her. And so they had her communicate via hand squeezing. They said, it's going to get worse. You're never going to wake up basically. And it's going to be painful and worse. And so she made the decision to be taken off of, I'm going to cry. She got to make the decision to be taken off of life support. And so even that day I was like, Hey, stranger things have happened. Like somebody could wake up, you know, I was like, whatever. I'm absolutely that are coming Mm -hmm. down. And unfortunately that didn't happen, but I will still like, I will always cherish. And I think of it as a gift from God that I got that weekend with her because I shouldn't have, you know, I was in Maine really the last weekend of her life and I got to spend it just, and that was really special to me, but yeah, so that was really hard, but I went back to school like a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Crazy. That's not, it was not, yeah, that's not long enough at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember my dad, we were at, you know, taking turns going to the hospital and he came back from the hospital and he was walking up our front lawn and he said, I got a call about my dad. My dad's at the ICU with an infection and his dad was 89 and oh, so it's pretty much like as soon as I got back to the Maine, I got the call that my grandpa had passed. <sighs> so oh my gosh, what, what are you, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing in your adult life to honor your grief journey and give yourself the space to feel all of these feels? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that I finally really started talking about it and I stopped expecting myself to be a Pollyanna and I stopped surrounding myself with people who expected that from me. And I've been so, so fortunate that my friends are wonderful people. And I have had more people come into my life who are on grief journeys and who are just really open. And that's, I think the biggest thing is just showing up as myself Mm -hmm. with everything that I have. I got some of the free therapy at college. And first of all, you know, as we said, like that was kind of like, I didn't want to tell anybody like they were like, I get lunch on Friday. I was like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I have a test. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm in all your classes. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that the therapist kept saying was like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be mad at your mom. It's okay to be mad. Your friends are, you're not an entertainer to them. Like that's not the value you bring to the friendship. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I just didn't, I was a teenager and it was really hard to internalize that. And, mm-hmm. and some of the friends that I had didn't reflect that. So I, I think that's just one of the great things that I'm doing is just having a community and really being honest about my feelings and not feeling bad if I'm upset. That's great to hear. That's Amen, really great sister. to hear. Yep. Amen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> cool, man. Oh Kara, gosh. this was, this is so amazing. Kara, is there anything else we should ask or do or you're amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> Diana. Yeah, you truly are. And I'm so proud of you for going, going through that such a, tra- a, it's a tra- very transitional and pivotal time of your life mm-hmm. and to having to be going through such three major losses like that on top of it all. Like, my, my God, that would, that is something that would break a lot of people but you kept going and you keep going and you're choosing to me, it seems like you're still choosing to see the joy through all of this. And so are you, are there ways that you are, I guess, but I guess one other question we don't have to, we don't have time, but you don't have to answer it, but are there ways that, but here we go. Yeah. But are there ways that you are honoring your 
did you already ask us? Oh my God. Are there ways that you're, that you're honoring your, your mom and your grandma and your grandpa today? Like, how are you? I, I know I am trying to, it is, it is hard. I find it kind of inorganic sometimes to try to insert somebody into our family who like my husband has never met, you know, mm-hmm. like there are a couple of things we try to talk about my mom. I do try to talk about things that she enjoyed. It always feels a little awkward, but I'm working on it. You know, I'm hoping that that becomes mm-hmm. less awkward over time, especially as my children get over older and are actual conversationalists as opposed to toddlers, you know, it's then so that they can better understand the relationship of like a mother and a daughter and all that. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that my grandparents, I don't talk about them enough. And my dad doesn't live here. He now lives in Cincinnati. And I think that also makes it more difficult for my children to understand who my grandparents are because they don't see my dad as often. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, pop pops parents, but they're like, wait, I don't where who's connected to whom. And but one thing that we are doing now is we just got this awesome China cabinet and my grandma and my great grandma collected beautiful teacups. And so I have gotten them from my dad. I'm going to put them on. Oh, cool. You can see those and that, you know, and we have, we have pictures, but we don't do enough. And so I'd like to do more. I just made a cookbook for my brothers of our family recipes. And it's mostly my grandma Sternberg. Love that. And so I'm going to start making more of those and talking about that. Cause that's, that's her, her, you know, the having fancy China out and cooking good food for people. That's, how she showed love in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. we're about to get a piano from my husband's grandpa who passed last year. And she was a big piano player. So I'm looking forward to kind of bringing that back into our lives and talking about my grandma through that. But I'm always, I have eyes and ears open for ways to not be horribly awkward, bringing mm-hmm. up somebody who is deceased and, you know, continuing to talk about them. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a wildly different situation than, you know, like, Oh yeah. My mom used to like to do that. Like, Okay. <laughs> Thanks, well, that's, that's, that is actually how I have been bringing up Dom's angel grandma. Like just if I feel like organically sharing a memory, like if it bubbles up, it bubbles up and I don't try to force it. Cause it is awkward. And I, I tried to force it early on for whatever reason, like yeah. early on, I was just like, I have to start talking about my mom now, or he's never going to get it. And that proved to be really awkward for me. So yeah, I've just yeah. Like recently, I'd say in the last like six or so months have introduced this idea of his angel grandma and that she lives in, he believes that she lives in the sky and that one day he can take a rocket ship to her. And so well, it's, it's beautiful. And so like, I think something about that, like he thinks, I mean, he's almost four, like from the mouth, the mouths of babes, if you leave St. Louis, he thinks you're going quote unquote to the city. Like it doesn't matter where, <laughs> Like it doesn't matter where. So like Dom so rule in Kirkwood. <laughs> yes. So Dom believes like the the world Earth is split into the city, right? St. Louis uh-huh. and and the sky. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would and, love to know what he thinks the city is, but anyway, yeah. just just anywhere not here. So like if you say like Ben has a he's um traveling for work tomorrow. Ben, I, I am willing to bet you 10 bucks. Dom's going to say, we get home from school and he's going to be like, where, where's daddy? Daddy's out of town. Is he going to the city? So I think mm-hmm. his, in his little four-year-old mind, he is like, okay, yeah. So there's the city. There's St. Louis where everybody else I know and love lives. And there's the <laughs> sky in which my mommy's mom lives there. And so one day... I'll be able to see her. So like, I kind of just took that logic he strung on himself and just went with it. So then I just introduce stories about my mom. It's really, I find it easier to do around holidays specifically because that's when you're talking about traditions and like, they have questions about traditions and like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I think I shared this. I did share this in our Grieving Mamas Club Facebook group. I, on Sunday, I wasn't like, you, you know, you talk to your toddlers all the time and you're never actually totally sure like what's landing and what's not. And so they say like the F word somewhere and you're like, that landed. <laughs> Yep. You're like, are you serious, kid? One. Like, we've had some better conversations, and that's what you string me out here on. <laughs> but so I, so Sunday, him and I, are, we were outside, we were playing, blah blah blah, and he goes, he's he's very into 
like labeling families right now, which is also something I need to deconstruct because I'm like, sometimes families don't are not all part of the same last name. But for now, it's a grouping thing. So I get what he's doing. And so he's like, I'm a Dinehart. Daddy's a Dinehart. Parker's a Dinehart. Kona, our dog, is a Dinehart. He's like going through. He's got like his uncle Seth's a Dinehart. And then he like stopped. And I went, well, buddy, your grandma's a Dinehart. And he looked at me and goes, which one? Oh, that was it. He like oh. he had he had no idea that he had like rocked my world. Like he goes, which one? And I went, mm, your grandma Susan, your grandma yeah. Susan. And he and then back to his four year old ways goes, she's not a dinehart. And then down the stairs he went. <laughs> like, <laughs> but so I'm 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 doing it in like little bitty droplets of moments to where so like not every moment I bring her up needs to be this like grandiose thing where like I sit across yeah. from him and I I, ho- I hold his hands and I am like buddy mommy had a mommy like you know and so right. I, I I just say whatever bubbles up to the top to say that day and then I just kind of leave it at that and let it stew in his mind and if he has questions he can ask yeah like when he asked if I came from his angel grandma's gina <laughs> he gets it he mm-hmm. does he's he smart them. Rashida but not mm-hmm. putting all that together that's really good yeah yeah so I mean that would be my advice to do it in a way because they're if you're if you feel awkward about it they're gonna feel awkward about it and so to do to just like if a memory bubbles up and it feels like a good time to like share that memory with your kids. That, that would be my advice. Totally agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Early on when, after my mom passed, I would like, would find like any opportunity to be like, well, Nana gave this to you or whatever, et cetera. And like, finally that kind of just, that felt unnatural to me too, to constantly be bringing her up. And, you know, even though she's always on my mind, it just, over time it's become more like, oh yeah, we go to, we go, Russell's Donna used to like to go here for lunch, you know, just like naturally bring it up. But I, I originally, but Diana, I've been low key peeping at those cute little book built in bookshelves behind you and all, and all of yours. I just figured that there might be like something maybe back there that you were like, look, oh, that was my grandma's or this was, you know, I don't know, but you brought no, up the, the China, the China and the teacups, but we do. Yeah, we do have that. And there's a picture of my parents up there on their wedding day. And Aww. I thought about getting a picture of my mom from my kids' rooms. But then I was like, that's my mom. Is that a creepy ghost to them? Do they want that in their room? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's dial it back. But then you know, we do have a couple other things from my grandparents' house. They were like world travelers. So we have a couple little trinkets that, you know, that we can kind of wheel out on my wedding day. Actually, this is just a fun thing. And I'll leave it this. On my 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 grandma had over 100 pairs of shoes. She was like Imelda Marcos. She was quite the fashionista, and I feel like I learned how to count in her closet the boxes of shoes lined up. You know, I feel like that was an activity that she would have me do when I was I will, getting our nerves. I love it. But <laughs> I'm the only relative who has the same size shoe as her, Ooh. so I got them all. Oh, all her jewelry. But I got all the shoes. So I took my pick of anything that wasn't too old lady. And she had some fabulous, really fun shoes. And I lived in New York after college and I just wore those to death. You know, I wore mm-hmm. them. I didn't wear them to keep them precious. I just went out in them and walked the streets in them. And well, not, you know what I'm saying, like walked on the streets. So it's kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> but on my wedding day. Oh my gosh. Really bring it wholesome. My wedding I day just, I just hoed around and I'm really <laughs> <laughs> I was going through a hard time (laughs) on my wedding day. I wore for my something blue, a pair of blue suede shoes that were hers, blue suede heels that were hers. And so that was like my special something blue. So those are the ones that are still with us. Cause the other ones I just, you know, I wore on the dance floors, the soggy dance floors of New York uh, city. Yeah. So those are downstairs in my basement. And so that's something that I look forward to sharing with my daughters too. Like this that's is going to be awesome. Yeah. That's going to be so awesome. Well, gosh, thank you so much, Diana, for uh, coming on here and sharing your stories. And just we're so grateful for, for you to share this time with us. Well, thank you, guys. This has been really fun. Good. I'm glad you think so. Kara, <laughs> <laughs> you want to give us the sign off? All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast. When times get tough, just remember... You're a badass bee and you got this, mama. Woo! See you guys later. Thank you. Bye.